take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. Let me just uh, mention that last Sunday night, if you missed our choir's night of praise, you missed a blessing. It was a wonderful night of worship and praise as we gave glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus. Uh, That song was part of it, but it was just a, a great night. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how as a church, we can really become what God intends for us to be. We've talked about a couple of weeks ago that we had to worship the Lord with both reverence and that we had to be a little undignified in doing it. Last week, we talked about taking care of each other, reaching across the aisle. We literally shuffled this place up a little bit, right? This morning, we're going to talk about the direct command that Jesus gave us as he was leaving the earth, but we're going to look at it in a different way because a lot of people will use this passage as the ultimate evangelism passage. And while it is about evangelism, I think we unnecessarily divide it from what Jesus calls us to do. And this morning, we're going to ask ourselves the question, What should we be doing if we are fulfilling what Jesus has called us to do? In Matthew chapter 28, you know the scene here. Jesus is preparing to head back to the Father. He has lived a perfect life. He has spent the last three to three and a half years with a group of people that he has been instilling his life into, a small group of 12 in the midst of the crowd, and he's been instilling his life into them, giving them teaching and showing them and modeling for them and telling them what God would have them to do. And we come to the point after his death, after his burial, after his resurrection, and then 40 days on the earth when he's teaching some more, his final instructions, we get to the end of the book of Matthew. It says in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Remember, there's only eleven. One of them had a little difficulty. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is verse 17, interesting to me. But some doubted. Now think about that for a minute. Some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus is very specific here. He's got his last moments with the twelve. Outside of Acts chapter 1, this is the glimpse we have of Jesus in those final moments as he's gathering them around. He's getting ready to finish his teaching. It was the last thing Matthew wanted to include. And he says, I've got all authority. I've got everything. And I'm about to give you some instructions. Trust in me and then go do what I say. And he says there that we are to, as we go, make disciples. I've mentioned this to you before, but in that passage of Scripture, in those verses, the only command in all of those verses is to go, or excuse me, is to make disciples. That's it. 
The going is something we're doing. We should be naturally doing. The baptizing is a part of making disciples. The teaching is a part of making disciples. The living out our life is a part of making disciples. And so the only command that Jesus gives us is to make disciples. Let me just be real frank and honest with you. The American church is doing a terrible job at making disciples. Recent studies, there's a book out called The Shape of Faith to Come by uh, Brahman and Holman Press, or there's another book called Reveal, where they have done a major study of churches in the United States, and they've asked questions, and they've looked at behaviors, and they've seen the difference between us and the world. And the truth is that the church is doing a terrible job at making disciples. Now, apparently, we've done an okay job at making decent people, We've done a pretty good job at making lists of do's and don'ts. We've been okay at setting up some boundaries for what we think it ought to look like. But as far as life-altering, kingdom-advancing, world-changing disciples, we are doing a poor job. And this morning, I want to just suggest to you from the very beginning that the reason we're doing a terrible job is we have begun to focus way too much on the mirror and not enough on the windows. We have begun to focus our churches and our lives way too much on the mirror and not enough on the window. Let me just ask you a quick question. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Me. Me, right? I see me. When I look in the mirror, I see me. When you look at the window, what do you see? The world. This is what I'm suggesting to you, that as churches, we have become way too focused on ourselves. You know what I was thinking about this week? We have some windows in this bill, in this room, right? They're right here on the side. You know what's interesting about these windows? You can't see out of them. Or you can't see in them. I mean, I know they're called stained glass windows, but they're really not windows in the true sense of the word because windows are supposed to give you a look into the outside. And when you look in this building, it is very much like we are bunkered inside, safe from everything else, and we can't see anything outside of there, and they can't see us, and that's the way we like it. Now, that's churches all across America. And yet Jesus, in his last command, says, as you go, we are to make disciples. We've got two guys this morning that in a few minutes we're going to vote on hiring. And one of the things that I think is important to understand is... Finding a label to call people in this position is becoming more difficult. I don't know whether you know it or not, but you don't have education ministers anymore. Now they're ministers of spiritual formation or spiritual vitality or educational reasonings, whatever you make up. But here's the problem, and I think that's good we're moving away from that, because people assumed that discipleship meant learning. When I say the word discipleship to you, the first thing that probably pops into your mind is discipleship training or some class you walk through with a book to learn some stuff. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus didn't say, 
as you go into all the world, make sure you've got Bible studies for everybody you can imagine. Did he say that? No. He said, as you go into the world, make disciples. Those of you that have been around know that we have a purpose statement here at the church, which is we exist to glorify God by leading people to become passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So you say, what is a disciple? To me, a disciple is someone who is passionately devoted to following Jesus Christ. So if you want to, you could say that Jesus commanded us to make people who are passionately devoted to following Jesus Christ. And the first question I want to ask you this morning is, are you a disciple? Are you someone who is passionately devoted to following Jesus? Because here's the truth. In order to make disciples, you've got to have disciples. In order to lead people to become a disciple of Christ, you've got to be a disciple of Christ. So what do we mean by that? Let me give you a couple of things. Today, ask yourself the question whether or not you are passionately devoted to advancing the kingdom of God more than anything else in your life. I mean, Jesus said that you were to go into all the world and make disciples, and you think, well, what does he mean by that? Well, if you look back on his calling to the disciples that were there, if you call, look back to the calling of the apostles, he asked them literally to pick up everything they have, discard it, and to follow him, right? Right? I mean, he goes out there, he looks out, and there's some guys fishing, and he says, come with me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Leave that behind, and let's go. He goes to Matthew, sitting at a tax collector's booth, and he says, follow me. Now, we don't know if that's the fullness of the discussion, but the bottom line is, he said, leave everything you got and follow me. Let me ask you this question. Is the advancement of the kingdom of God number one in your life? Well, wait a minute, Pastor, what about my family? Remember Jesus, unless someone hates his brother, his mother, his family? Well, what about, what about my stuff? Well, you have the rich young ruler that came and said, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, just give it all away and follow me. Are you passionately devoted to the kingdom of God above all else? Now, Let me just say real quickly, we live in the most selfish society that has ever existed. We just do. I shared this Wednesday night, but y'all know there's a little flu-like thing going around, right? You know, 800 people out of 6 billion have it. And it's serious, it is serious, but on a scale... But here's what's interesting is, during the week, I don't know about you, but I was one of these people that that when I first started to hear about it and heard a little bit more about it, I started looking at the maps to see where the swine flu was. Anybody else do that? Okay, I'm the only one. That's good to know. Appreciate that. Somebody else. Anybody else do that? Let me see. There we go. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. And you know what I was concerned about? I looked at those maps, and the numbers are a little, you know, when they first started to come out, they're small, but... Even though it's only a thousand, it's a lot of people. You know what I was most concerned about? How close is it to me? Am I going to get it? I watch the news now, and I don't even think about it, but everything is how does it relate to me? And this is my concern. As a follower of Christ, 
How many times do I look at what's happening in the Christian life that I'm living, in the church of which I'm a part, in the world in which I live, and instead of looking for what I should be doing to advancing the kingdom of God, I'm looking at what I should be doing to advance the kingdom of Lyle. And Jesus calls us to be passionately devoted to the kingdom of God above all else. Secondly, He has called us to be passionately devoted to a complete dependence on the grace of God. There is no way in the world that I can do anything that can advance His kingdom without Him being a part of it. And so we should be devoted to His kingdom, but we're also devoted to the grace that comes from that. But we must be passionately devoted to Him. What I see in the Great Commission is that Jesus has instructed us to be involved in the building up of the lives of people. And as a church, we must constantly ask the question, are we investing in people or are we investing in stuff? Jesus didn't tell me to invest my life in a program. He didn't tell me to advance or to give my life even to a particular ministry. He asked me to give my life to people. And the thing is, He asked you the same thing. One of the things that I ask on a constant basis is, are we planning events and providing services just to plan events and provide services? Or are we planning events and providing services in order to build up and equip people? And I'll be honest with you, when you begin to do that, sometimes you realize that there are programs that we have in our churches that are just programs for program's sake. One of the things that I'm committed to as your pastor is to do whatever it takes to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes. And one of the things that I want to see happen in our church is that we're going to evaluate what we're doing and say, listen, it's not effective, it's not working, it's gone. Now here's the thing. Some of you in your hearts are saying amen, but you're part of one of those things. And I am too. It's not just you, it's me. A couple of people have asked me this week, why... Why Ryan and Alan at this point? Why, why do you feel the Lord's doing that? Not in, a, not in a controversial way or critical way. Just, you know, why, why are you convinced of this? And, you know, I, I just said, listen, we have got to, as a congregation, begin to reach out to people that need Jesus. And those two age groups are places we're missing it. That was confirmed this morning. And I'm going to share something Lisa told me. Lisa Brooks, she didn't know I'm going to share it, but I'm going to share it. Lisa Brooks just has been teaching. How long have you been teaching first grade? The past six years up until this year. And so she went through the roles of those kids as they've moved on. This year she's moved up to teaching seventh and eighth grade girls. And as best she could figure it, in the last six years, we've added to our roles three in our children's ministry. Net total three. That's just not good enough. And it's not a numbers thing, it's a people thing. 
There are people moving in all over this place with kids that we have a message that they need to hear. We need to have a passionate devotion to the kingdom of God, to the grace of Christ, to the person of Christ, and to His authority. You know, my goal is to be a church that is radical about making disciples in here in this community, but also across the world. I want to be a church that is making an impact for the name and the kingdom of Christ. And sometimes I'm afraid that we as a church and as churches across this land get a narrow focus on what we're here to do and don't see the big picture that God has in mind. Some of you are saying, well, how in the world can First Baptist Church Goodlettsville impact the world? I want to tell you that under the authority of Jesus Christ, who tells us in Matthew 28 that all authority has been given unto Him, and then He in turn turns over the keys to us to take into the world, that under His authority we can make an impact in this world for the kingdom of God. And part of the reason is that there's no other name in this earth that deserves to be praised. And it ought to break our hearts that there are names that are being lifted high across this world that are imposters to the true and living God. Part of the reason that we need to be interested in making disciples both here and in this state and in this country and in this world is because just in our country, if you look at 300 million people, the vast majority of which in recent studies show will be going into a Christless eternity if they were to die today. Not in Cambodia, not in Sri Lanka, not in China, but in the United States of America. In the state of Tennessee... Only three out of every ten people are destined for an eternity with Christ. Which means that in the state of Tennessee, there are 70% of our residents that are bound for a Christless eternity. It is time we help make disciples. When you look at Africa, there are 3,000 tribes in Africa that are animistic in their worship, that are giving praise and glory to things that they are animating, to things that have no soul in them, and they are depriving the glory that is due to Jesus Christ our Lord, and we are responsible for helping to take the message to them. In Japan and Laos and Vietnam, there are 350 million Buddhists that think that Buddha is the essence of all things that is human, and they are giving praise and worship to Buddha instead of Jesus, the one and only living God. In Sri Lanka and India and Bangladesh and Pakistan, there are 750 million people that are worshiping more gods than we could count in the rest of our lives. And depriving the Lord of the glory due to His name. In communist countries across this world like China and Cuba, there are over a billion people growing up in a system where there is not even a word for God. Because they don't want people to believe in it. And in the Middle East today, there are 1.3 billion people who claim Allah not 
Jehovah, not Yahweh, is God. Jesus says, we are to make disciples. Aren't you glad he gave us an out and didn't tell us where the disciples are supposed to come from? Oh, wait a minute. He did tell us, didn't he? What does he say? Of all nations. And here's the last thing this morning. To check to see if you're a disciple. Are you passionately devoted to the mission of Christ? There's only one command in that, that verse, right? It's to make disciples. Now, I want you to see what disciples are or what it takes to make disciples. It, first of all, takes conversion, right? So discipleship involves evangelism, correct? Correct? So if we're going to do discipleship, we've got to convert. We've got to tell them about Jesus. We've got to share him with others. We've got to talk about the gospel in our lives. We've got to tell people they need to come to Jesus. Now, the good thing about that is Jesus tells us, Scripture tells us, that God is the one that begins the work on the people's hearts, begins to draw them unto himself. And so when we go out there, it's not a cold call. It's not a knock on the door that's unexpected. That when we go in God's power and we share who he is, that God has already begun the work on the person's heart. It's kind of like we've been given an advantage before we ever go. But we are to be baptizing them. Now, baptizing just means all that conversion. That means that they come to a place where they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're prepared to make a public statement of that fact, and they're willing to be baptized. And then verse 20, this is what I love. It says, and teaching them to know a bunch of stuff. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No. It says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So you say, what is discipleship? Discipleship is reaching people with the gospel of Christ and then training them to reach people for the gospel of Christ. It's to become reproductive in our work. Here's the thing I saw this week. That as Christians and as churches, we are tempted to do everything but the one command Jesus gives us here. Jesus never commanded us to build schools and colleges and seminaries. I think I'm going to call my seminary professor tomorrow. Say, I'm done. I'm just kidding. Maybe. Jesus never commanded us to build hospitals or places of service or places to house people. Jesus never commanded us to build church buildings. Jesus never commanded us to have Sunday school. Jesus never commanded us to organize a Southern Baptist convention. Jesus never commanded us to have a North American mission board or an international mission board. But Jesus did command us to make disciples. Now, I'm not saying all those things are bad. In fact, I think all those things help us. But the problem is sometimes we get focused on those things and not the command. And as a church, it is so easy to keep looking in the mirror of what we need, what programs we want, what would make us happy, what would help us, instead of looking out the windows and saying, what do they need? Where do we need to go to skip them? What do we need to say to them about Jesus? How do we make disciples of those? This is just a question for you. I want you to think for a minute of all the things you are involved in here at this church. Now, let me just say, it's not always bad to look in the mirror, okay? Not always. There are some mornings some of you need to look in the mirror, okay? Amen? 
Okay? No pointing, all right? Amen? And as a church, we need to examine ourselves sometimes. But here's the thing. We don't become so self-interested that we're focusing on our problems all the time to the detriment of God's bigger plan. We ought to be in minuscule ways looking inwardly at our needs and wants. And so here's what I want you to think. For a moment, think about all the things that you are involved in here at this church. Whether that's worship and Sunday school or ministry projects, I want you to think. Now, some of you, it won't take long, and some of you are going to have to make a list, okay? But I want you to think about those ministries, those things you're involved in, and ask, are the plans of that ministry looking in the mirror or are they looking out the window? Are they looking in the mirror, constantly evaluating what we need, or are we looking out the window to see what they need? Now, here's something I want to tell you. Scripture is very clear about this. You can be doing what you think is the right thing with the right motives and be wrong in God's economy. And God doesn't bless even pure motives when they're not attached to God's plan. Now, what Scripture does say is that God will always bless His plan. Now, let me ask you again. What's his plan? It's to go and make disciples. And so if we want to be part of what God is intending to do, if we want to be blessed by the Lord, we need to start looking out the windows and making disciples. And let me give you this. Disciples cannot be mass-produced. Disciples cannot be mass-produced. What do I mean by that? You can't just bring your neighbor here and think by sitting here, they are going to get what they need. Discipleship begins on a much smaller level. How many men did Jesus pour his life into? Twelve. Now, he lost one of those, right? Right? Now, he had other people he taught. I mean, there were other people, but, you know, I, I think what's interesting is, and this is interesting for me because I'm getting a degree, a Ph.D. in church growth and evangelism, is that Jesus would have been one of the worst church growth guys around. Because what happened when the crowds got big for him? He ran them away. They get too big. He says, listen, I'd love for you all to follow me, but here's the thing. If you're going to follow me, you got to start eating my body. All right? Anybody want to do that? He's volunteering. Things start to get too big, and he starts to just preach hard things. Over and over again, he says things that runs people away. Because he knew that the important thing at that moment were those twelve. Let me ask you a question. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who are you pouring your life into? Who are you pouring your life into? Some of you are parents and you say, well, listen, I'm pouring my life into my kids and I think that is an admirable thing, but it's more than that. Who are you pouring your life into? We need to be able, as followers of Jesus Christ, to lead people to understand who He is, to model for them one-on-one what the gospel means in our lives, to teach what He is teaching us and then to serve the world.
I'll make a confession to you. That if we became really serious about making disciples, children, teenagers, young adults, adults in the middle, senior adults, if we became really serious about making disciples, it's going to get messy. For too long, we have thought that the purpose of the church is to disinfect us from society. You know what disinfection is, right? You go in, you wipe everything off, you clean everything off so that you don't have any germs on you. We've got this idea that as a church, our job is to grab people from out there, bring them inside here, disinfect them so they don't look like they're out there anymore, and then make them decent people. The problem with that is that looks nothing like the radical discipleship of the book of Acts. And we have got them to be willing to disciple people. That means getting out among them. That means talking to them. That means relating to them. That means understanding them. That means not writing them off when they say something they shouldn't say or do something they shouldn't do. And somebody says, well, pastor, that sounds like a great idea. I hope the staff really gets involved in that. You see, Pastor, I'm just not called to that kind of work. You ever heard anybody say something like that? Pastor, I'm glad you're called to that. I, I just don't think I'm called to that. Let me ask you a question. In Matthew chapter 28, is this a calling or is it a command? It's a command. Now, we all have different callings, that's true, but it comes out of this one command. This is not negotiable. This is not, I'm uncomfortable, that goes over there. This is for every Christian that is a follower of Jesus. You are to be involved in making disciples. You are to be involved in sharing your faith, in teaching people what to obey. You are to be involved. Part of the reason, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, but Southern Baptist churches continue to decline is because we have established this kind of form that the ministerial staff's job is to do all the stuff and the people in the church are just to kind of be here and maintain the church. Now we have a great church with a lot of people that put tons of hours into this place. And what we have to ask ourselves on a whole is are we doing it to fulfill the command of Jesus? Or are we staring constantly in the mirror at ourselves. Jesus looks at him and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Simple question for you this morning as we close. Are you doing your part in making disciples for Christ? Maybe the more basic question is this. Are you a follower of Jesus? Not a member of this church? I didn't ask that. Not somebody that knows all the right answers when the questions are asked in Sunday school. I didn't ask that. Are you someone who is passionately devoted to following Jesus in your life?